Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, one of the leading round ball voices in this country is a journalist by the name of Daniel Garb. I watched Garby as a youngster, Bryce, when he was doing live crosses from Anfield, Manchester and London, and now he's back in Australia. He's continued his excellent work. Garby, welcome to Sports Day. Thanks, Tommy. How are you, mate? Good, mate. Going well. Great to chat to you. We will get to the soccer first, but uh, you're in Sydney for some golf. Talk us through what you've been, uh, what you've been keeping your eye on. Yeah, I had a, a brief visit to the Australian today just to get my accreditation for the tournament. and. My goodness, that place is looking unbelievable. Michael Block, the American pro, of course, who burst onto the scene of the PGA uh, this year. He's one of the special guests, although a slightly understated one. Um, He said it reminds him of the best courses in the world. It honestly looks like Augusta today. And I'm not trying to have... (laughs) Come on, Garvey. Come on, Garvey. It is the first thing that came to mind. The Australian, not the Lakes, the Australian is Augusta-like in the way it's presenting. It is unbelievable. So... I think golf fans will enjoy watching that across the weekend, and it looms as a special tournament. Will Cam Smith bounce back after his disaster at the PGA? Will Minwoo Lee go back-to-back? Will Leishman finally win a big Australian tournament? So many great storylines pending, so looking forward to it. Gabby, you're living the dream. You'll be on both sides of the rope. You'll be uh, following it all through, and uh, also keeping an eye, obviously, on the EPL and what's happening over there. Um, Tottenham have uh, hit a few hiccups, haven't they? And they've really started to stumble and they're losing more soldiers along the way. That's the issue for Ange Postacoglu. He knew this was coming at some stage. Spurs fans knew it as well. So there's no panic. The issue is it's come so suddenly. They thought it might be a slower process when they hit a hurdle, but they just lost so many players in that one game. Three of their back four and then their best player of the season in James Madison. So that's made it tricky for Ange. And then the fixtures have got a little more challenging as well. Aston Villa are flying at the moment, so that was a, a tough one for him to face. Of course, on the weekend, they've got Manchester City coming up as well, so it's not going to get any easier for them. Look, I don't think there's any concerns among Tottenham fans. They're still ahead of where they thought they would be, and Ange has certainly got a lot of credit in the bank. He's won three Manager of the Month awards <laughs> in the first three months of the season. I mean, it's ridiculous, really. So, They'll be okay, but obviously they want to make sure the slide doesn't go for too long and they can stay in touch with the top four. Garby, I'm obsessed with the Ange Postacoglu story. Even if they are starting to lose a few games, I'm in love with it. And I think the way they're playing in terms of um, the way they move the ball and their attacking style, well, it's like every Ange Postacoglu team, isn't it? It's so attractive to watch. But my question to you is, in January, do they have the money and the desire to reload and, in, and improve their depth. So even if they're not challenging for the Premier League title, they can still play in Europe next season. 
Yeah, well, they got a massive financial windfall from the Harry Kane sale, of course. That's another aspect of the Spurs story that maybe gets overlooked a little bit at times. I mean, they lost one of the best strikers in the world and one of the best players in their history at the start of the season. So that lowered expectations for Tottenham fans as well. But they've got their money to play with. They did spend a bit in the off-season. Let's not forget that. I think Ange would like to reinforce a little bit more in January. Um, but only the right players. He's not going to buy anyone for the sake of it. He's not like that. You've got to fit into his style, and you've got to come with the right attitude and have the right character. He prioritises that above everything else. So he'll look around. He'll be looking around already, and he'd like to uh, to reinforce things. But uh, I think he and, and the Tottenham hierarchy know that uh, it doesn't happen have to happen all this season. They've already shown that uh, they're on the right path under Ange. He's won enormous respect. Uh, from all uh, in English football already. So they won't panic by, uh, but they'll certainly look for, for the right players. Um, the story is just incredible. I think he's the biggest name in Australian sport right now. It's one of the great Australian sporting achievements, just getting to a club like Tottenham. It was a great achievement just getting to Celtic, yeah. in mind, as yeah. an Aussie without a playing background. So, uh, yeah, it just continues to evolve this uh, narrative and uh, we are loving it. Who would have thought from the Brisbane Raw days that he'd be here, especially at the age of, what is he, 57 or 58? It's actually quite late to enter that sort of managerial class. So Arsenal are first, Man City second, Liverpool third, Aston Villa fourth and Spurs are fifth. So they're still very much in the hunt. But if you go to the other end of the table, Everton are 19th and they're 19th for a very specific reason. Um, Mm. uh, Do you think they're going to be relegated? What a blow that would be. It would be. And it's such a drama and there's more to come in the story because of the rules. They will challenge that legally, of course. And then what happens? I mean, a lot of people feel as though the reason why the Premier League hasn't come down harder on Manchester City, who still have over 100 charges hanging over their head uh, for the same uh, alleged breaches, is because if they did, it would be tied up in court for years and years because they've got the entire country of the United Arab Emirates backing them financially. So have they picked on a smaller club in order to make a point? Uh, it is a situation that looms as, as farcical right now, considering the charges hanging over the head of Manchester City that they've come down on Everton, but they'll still fight us in the courts as well. So even if they do go down, are things altered in time? It's hard to know. It's a bit of a mess. Uh, but uh, you do feel sorry for the Toffees at the moment, and they've got a, an enormous battle ahead of them. I mean, it looks like they were deflated a touch, even though they challenged Manchester United on the weekend, uh, going down 3-0 at home. Does it... Uh... Look, I know relegation, they're still, you know, five points off and we're only talking to game 13 in the season. There's a long, long way to go. But does it have a real blow to a lot of the players and their mindset around uh, their futures and uh, how they play out the season? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's a, it's a big concern. Um, but, you know, players are tied down to pretty wealthy contracts nowadays and they're very well protected Premier League clubs now when they go down because there's so much money in the championship. I mean, it's, it's a much softer landing when you do go down. Five, ten years ago when you went down to the championship, you worried about club futures, you know, because they had such massive contracts to keep playing for players. There'd be a massive fire sale and they couldn't get back up. Now there's so much money in the championship. Clubs are able to stay there for two, three years and then if they don't get back up to the Premier League, all right, then you're in a bit of, a, a bit of an issue. So players will be calm knowing that they're protected financially and uh, still had a, a very good club, and they'll back themselves to try and get out of this, but it won't be easy. I don't know if you are, Garby, but I'm absolutely obsessed with the Wrexham story. So I'm going to League Two here. And we don't normally talk about League Two football on Sports Day. Have you watched Wrexham, and are you into it, and are you following it? 
I watched the first season of the documentary and uh, and really enjoyed it. Um, the story is amazing. Proud football club, incredible history. That was just as low as it had ever been. Uh, got up to the National League, and it was no surprise to me that uh, they've bounced to the top of, of League Two straight away. Yep. Um, and they're really making a fist of it because once they were able to get up, there was just so much hype around the club and fanfare and star power because of Ryan Reynolds mainly, that players wanted to be a part of it. So they've been able to attract those players ever so well. What I've loved about it is that it's just clearly not a plaything for Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney. Yeah. I mean, they realised yeah. early on, if they wanted to do this, they had to get their hands dirty themselves. And let me tell you, as glamorous as the documentary may look uh, to, to people and, and so on, it is as barren as you can get football at that level. I've yeah. been to these training grounds. Have I've you? seen these stadiums. They are a mess. I mean, I remember going to, to Swindon Town to interview Mass Luongo when he was playing there. They gave me Ugg boots at reception to walk <laughs> onto the training pitch because there was so much mud. It would be worse at, Rex, at Wrexham. Yeah. And the stadium w- was falling apart. So it wasn't easy for them to just go in there and buy a club and, and hope for the best. They realised they had to invest and meet the people and connect with the community. And they've done that. And I think that's what has made the story so endearing to so many people. Yeah, it's been so engaging. Uh, obviously, season two underway now on Disney. Are you and watching it, Bryce? I'm all over it. Yeah, I, I, it. I think it's fantastic. I love the inside story of, of, of most sports. And I think the level of documentary, and Gabby, you'd be all over this as well. Just the, the standard of documentary now and the insights you get around sport is just fascinating. Yeah, for sure. And, and you see these players and what they go through and how, you know, how little they get paid at that level. And, and it's basically contract to contract. You know, and if you have a good year, you might get another year. Um, if you get a bad injury, well, that's it. Your football career is done for. And, you know, you've maybe put your working career on the back burner and now you have to provide for a family. You get a real insight into professional sport at that level and how taxing it is. And uh, I think that's also come to the fore through the documentary, which has been great. Hey, um, what's this I read uh, overnight or maybe I read yesterday, Garby, about Sinbins being trialled in professional soccer? I mean, I think they had some sort of trial at amateur level in the UK. Is that going to uh, come into effect in the Premier League potentially? I've just seen that coming through, that it's been recommended by uh, IFAB what to do you, be trialled. What do you think? It would be a major development. I think one of the brilliant things about the sport of football is that there aren't many rule changes. And I know that in AFL we sometimes roll our eyes at how the rules change every single year and it gets a little bit draining and how's everyone meant to keep up with it. I think it's one of the brilliant parts of world football that there have been very few rule changes over the journey. VAR has altered that slightly, but that isn't rule changes. It's just a different way of assessing the rules, of course. This would be a massive rule change. We all of a sudden had sin bins. And I think another one of the uh, recommendations was for only the captain of a team to be able to speak to the referee. That I like. Mm. That's rugby. But is, is it possible though, Garby? Is it, it's so deeply cultural, I, I feel, in soccer for, um, and this might be uh, more prevalent in some places of the world than others, but for players to surround a referee and try to intimidate them. Exactly. And teams try to get the better of the referee and get into their heads. Uh, I'd like to see that change. I'm not sure it would come through. Who knows? You never know what FIFA will, will recommend. Um, VAR came in and they stuck by it despite a lot of criticism. So who knows what they think about it. I'd be surprised if those changes are made. I really would because they seem drastic. But um, who knows? Maybe they will be beneficial. Did you see the VAR decision overnight uh, with Mbappe and PSG and Newcastle drawing 1-1? I mean, I was barracking for Newcastle here. I was supporting Newcastle and they were 1-0 up in the 97th minute. 
and then PSG scored the equaliser. And it just appears to me like the VAR, I know it's important, but it's delaying games more than ever. And that's probably been the case for a couple of years now. And it's quite cumbersome at times as well. I'm not sure what your view is on it. Yeah, and I think one of the problems is that when you slow things down and you freeze frame them, quite often tackles and handballs now are becoming, you know, the big debate. You know, they look like they're more drastic than what they are in real time, and that's starting to, to frustrate fans. For the naked eye, no, that's not the penalty. But you're slowing it down, and you're freeze-framing it, and you're pausing, and all of a sudden, to the referee, who then gets rushed over to a monitor, yeah, I'm paying that. Well, you know, sometimes it doesn't always add up. So it's frustrating. It's not going anywhere. Look, sometimes there are, especially with offsides, there are really good corrections made. Goals that are illegal are are now ruled out when they were offside. And so there is a little bit going the other way, but uh, I think it is frustrating football fans on the whole. It certainly did Newcastle United fans this morning, but I think it's just time to get used to it rather than getting frustrated with it all because I can't see it going anywhere. Quick little peek over to the women's game. Sam Kerr, update on her injury and maybe how much is that going to test the depth of the Matildas? Yeah, look, it's a... Um, it's a shame for the Matildas for the upcoming games against Canada, but I think it might be a blessing in disguise ahead of the Olympics because she gets a bit of a rest. Sure. And she's had a taxing couple of years with the World Cup, mentally and physically. She can have a bit of a rest at the end of this year, and then we uh, allow her to freshen up for the Paris Olympics and hopefully get the Matildas onto the podium. That would be wonderful for her and uh, the Australian team. Garby, you are a round ball specialist, but you also love other sports as well. What are, your, what are your favourite sports ranked one to five? <laughs> I'd say uh, AFL, world football and golf are probably an equal one at the moment. Yeah. Throw a blanket over the three of them and then cricket would come in at four and uh, I don't know, maybe basketball at five. <laughs> basketball is an afterthought. So you, so from an AFL perspective, you live up in Sydney now, correct? It's, um, it, it's a different world up there, but the AFL seems to be getting into um, you know, the spirit of things, I guess, with the opening round and the season launch going to be up there as well. Um, what are your view, what are your views on the Giants and the Swans? Have they got, got a foothold in, in the Sydney marketplace or is it still very NRL-dominated? The Sydney Swans are a massive club here. That's one thing that struck me as soon as I moved to Sydney is how big of an organisation the Sydney Swans are. Much bigger, I think, than people in Victoria and the other AFL states give it credit for. And they've got a really good following and they do not struggle to attract big crowds and they are all in on a premiership this year. So they'll be an interesting watch. I was at their best and fairest dinner and that was made very clear from John Longmire. Um, and we've seen it with their recruiting, of course. But I think they realise the time is now. John Longmire probably won't be there for that much longer. So they really want to make the most of it with uh, with the premiership this year. Of course, they'll be without Callum Mills for a large part of the season, which will hurt them. And the Giants are prime. I mean, my goodness, they are so impressive. Their list is so deep. They have so much talent. Adam Kingsley is the real deal, as we know. So it looks like a really exciting season coming up from a New South Wales point of view. Do you think with both teams, it's enhanced just with the, I guess, the, the competitiveness of the AFLW teams and that they are a complete club now? Do you think that's more appealing to the market? I think so, especially the Sydney Swans, the AFLW exploits this season. The Giants were disappointing, but the Swans making the finals in their second season. And that was amazing. So, yeah, it certainly has in that regard. Garby, really appreciate your time. We know you love your sports, including the Sydney Swans and the Giants and everything in between, the round ball game. And uh, we'll speak to you again soon. Thanks, boys. See you, mate. That's Daniel Garb, who is the multi-sport king. He's uh, across football, codes, cricket, um, as he said, golf, tennis, and he doesn't mind some basketball either.